What's going on there, Youth Pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you today? I always ask that question because I really want to know. And you're always welcome to tell me. All my socials are down in the show notes below. And you're always welcome to drop me a question or you can recommend a topic for the podcast. So check that out down there and let me know. How are you doing? And if you're brand new here to the podcast, thank you so much for checking it out. Appreciate you being a part today. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention as well. It's currently the middle of February, and today's topic is timely, I think, because many of you are thinking about missions trips, and I have these two wonderful missionaries to Africa on today, and they have some great wisdom when it comes to planning your missions trip, in addition to the fact that they're talking about the work that God's doing in Africa, and it's really just a great show. And and at the end, stay to the end, because their daughter comes on, who's visited my youth group a few times. Uh, She's going to share what it's like to be a missionary kid. So go ahead and stick around for that. Before we jump into the episode, I want to let you know, and not that you don't already know this maybe, but this Wednesday is Valentine's Day, and I don't know if you have plans, I don't know if your meeting set, if you don't have your meeting set, you can always check out my Valentine's meeting bundle. It has a message, it has 10 Valentine's games you could play, it has discussion questions, and I think a pretty good closer to the meeting. So if you're needing something like that, two ways you can get it. Number one, you can sign up for my newsletter, the Youth Ministry Roundup, or you can go into my store and you can just drop a few bones there and get yourself a great meeting. All the links to those will be in the show notes below, and I hope that you'll check it out because it's a great way to support this podcast. My guests today are Dean and Emily Hartzell, and they have been missionaries in West Africa since 2014. They've been church planning, equipping, and empowering the local church there. And I know that you're going to enjoy their stories. You're going to love their heart for where they're serving. And I think you're going to love all the wisdom they share about how to master your mission trip this summer. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Super excited to have you guys on. Uh, because first of all, uh, because you are uh, you are family to my pastor, uh, <laughs> Pastor Dwight Johnson. So I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows that. Listen, we're having you guys on. Not be. No, I'm not trying to get a raise or anything. Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying. <laughs> to, I'm not sucking up. I just think uh, what I am doing this for. The reason I'm doing this is because it's now February, and people need to start thinking about missions. Whether it's yeah. whether it's going on a missions trip, raising money for missions supporting missions, whatever they have to do in their town or around the world. That's why I wanted to have you guys on because it's uh, it's super critical, super important. Um, so before we jump into uh, where you're serving and all that, do you have a, a funny story, maybe of a, a trip where students came or an adult group came and maybe uh, there was some sort of maybe funny mishap? Because I know there's always stories on a trip uh, where, uh, you know, on our trip, it was always a kid losing their passport or some craziness like that. But do you guys have a story like that? Well, Emily actually has one when she went on a youth trip where some guy in the airport looking all official said, give me your passport. And And she did. She did. (laughs) And then the guy took off running. And this is, you know, she's a youth. And there goes her American passport. Uh, We always like to tell pastors that this happens on every trip. There's always one guy that eats something that we told him not to. And there's always one guy who spends the trip in the restroom. There's always one guy that gets to see how clinics run in West Africa. 
there's always one guy that loses a suitcase or gets robbed in some way. I mean, it's just the that's the missions trip norm. So we did have one person that took a picture of a police station, not knowing that's what it was. And a police happened to see, and they stopped the vehicle. She was in the car riding along when it happened. So they stopped the car, pulled, physically pulled her out and interrogated her. So that was not an awesome experience for her. There was negotiation with them after like, listen, we're deleting it. Look, and you know, of course it's still in her memory, but that's a, that's a story to take home. Oh yeah. And and there's reasons why that either the youth pastor or another leader probably needs to hold all the passports. Uh, yes. You are boarding the plane. Absolutely. When you're going through the check-in, right? Yeah. I yes. think my favorite though, was when we had a group split in two and the group up North had a car and the group down South had a car and we had one more mission car available. And the guy up North did not disclose a medical condition. And things got rough for him and so that we could have another vehicle there and they wouldn't be stranded as they headed to the hospital. We sent one of our national workers up there with the car. And just as he was getting there, I mean, he's just kilometers away. He hits a cow. <laughs> so we got this guy in serious condition and then we're trying to get the rest of the team a car. And now there's a dead cow we have to pay for. So it's just these <laughs> things are. Yeah. Yeah, you don't plan for that in your your missionary budget. When you're going on a missions trip, you go, listen, in case we hit a cow, uh, <laughs> let's go make sure we we put that in the budget. That's yeah. like ten cars we have to wash. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. In case we hit Deposit the cow. against dead cows. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but hey, those are some super stories. Those are some super stories. But tell us, tell the audience, tell those that are watching, listening, uh, a little bit about where you are uh, serving on the mission field and, and maybe why you're there. So we have served in West Africa for 10 years. In the last three, almost four years now, we have served in Senegal, West Africa. Uh, and the story about how we got there is a little squirrely. We were in Ivory Coast finishing up our language learning. We had been on the field years before that, two and a half years, and learning languages. Uh, you're usually taking a program to learn a language where there is no school. But our French wasn't uh, official studies yet. So we went to Ivory Coast at the base camp there so we can hone up on our French and also be fully active in ministry. So it was a, a great opportunity. And then COVID hit. So that was interesting. Um, and then our, our area director, the guy over West Africa, says, you have to leave Ivory Coast. And we said, why? And he said, well, the last election was a civil war and they're about to have another one. And we said, oh, OK. <laughs> and then we said, well, we got a problem, though. The place that we plan to go is experiencing political unrest already, and we don't feel that the Holy Spirit is saying go right now. We don't feel safe going there with our family. And uh, and so it ended up being that we were just hours away from where we planned to live on the other side of the border into Senegal, working with the same people group, the same culture, the same everything, working to plant a uh, church among the Fulani people, the Fula Jalon of that region. Uh, and that's why we ended up in Senegal. And since then, uh, we've really seen God's hand in what we're doing. And it, it has gone from trying to plant a church in a specific geographical location to now working with all the churches of Senegal and trying to start some initiatives uh, that, that we can talk about later. But it it's really just it's interesting to see how God has us dodging coups and pandemics and civil wars. And, and now even currently this week, the president of Senegal has delayed elections and uh, that's causing even more riots. 
Wow. The interesting times, interesting yes. times around the world. It just shows that you can make plans, but <laughs> God will still, um, God will still have his way. And we are exactly, we know we're exactly where we need to be. And we're excited about the opportunities that are coming up. Um, but it was not our game plan to be where we are. <laughs> well, you know what? I find that to be true in, in life in general. Yes. We make plans and God laughs. Isn't that yes. how, that's how the saying goes? <laughs> Tell us a bit about how you knew individually, maybe, uh, you know, growing up or otherwise, you know, how did you know you were going to be missionaries? And if it happened when you were teenagers, what, what was it about? The youth group you attended that reinforced that maybe about about being on the mission field. So I'll go first with this one. I was, um, I was always uh, I'm a pastor's kid, so I was always exposed to missionaries a lot. Um, and then after the services, we'd go and have lunch with them, and I'd get to hear all of their stories. And I think that exposure to them really just made me it 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 caused me to be interested, but also it made me to be more aware of of missions and needs around the world and also my role in God's plan of salvation for the world. It just, it made my exposure to it just made me more aware. And, um, when I was 11 years old, this was not in a, at a youth convention or a camp or anything like that. I was alone in my bedroom, um, praying and listening to worship music, just worshiping. And I just felt a distinct, you are going to work in Africa as a missionary. And um, because of that, um, I I started exploring. I didn't tell anybody. I was not going to tell anybody because I did not want um, affirmation like, oh, this is wonderful. And then I felt pressure to follow through because I was affirmed so much. But I also didn't want, oh, no, that's not it. I wanted to know for sure by myself that... Um, that this is what God wanted for me. And so I didn't tell us all. I just continued on and prayed. And I felt absolutely that it was true, that it was right. So then I told my parents, but I said, don't tell anybody else. And so then we we went from there and it went bigger and we started telling people. But, um, but I think a lot of it, um, my youth group was, first of all, they, uh, the exposure to missions. They were constantly talking about missions. We gave, we're the Assemblies of God. So we have the Speed the Light program where we give to missions and we pray for missions. And when I was younger, it was BGMC, uh, where Boys and Girls Missions Challenge, Missionary Challenge, where we um, helped give and pray for missionaries. So again, that exposure was huge with my youth group, but also um, they taught me spiritual disciplines. And when you are in the word of God, when we have young adults, teenagers, we have teenagers and tweens in the word of God, spending time with him, God is quite capable of speaking to them. And, and teenagers and tweens are quite capable of hearing and responding. Um, I think often as ministers, we feel that responsibility, but God is capable and so are other believers, no matter what their age. And so, um, so I think the teaching spiritual disciplines was huge because I was in my room alone praying. And also I went on a mission trip with my, well, it was the whole state. It was the youth, youth department. Mm -hmm. Um, I went when I was, um, after I was called originally, I think I was 
15, no, I was 12 when I first went to Mexico. And then when I was 15, I went to um, Africa, but I already knew at that point that Africa by 11, I knew that Africa was it for me. My story is a little bit different. We look at the story of Paul and realize that Paul was the enemy of the Jews when God called him. In much of the same way, I was the enemy of God when he called me. <laughs> uh, I went down to the altar because if I went to the altar, my parents left me alone for that week. Um, I was at the altar doing my due diligence, looking for that first person to get up so I could be second. Because I didn't want to be first. Yeah, And uh, God gave me a vision of me older preaching on a Sunday morning, and I just knew I was called to ministry. But if you know anything about Northeast Texas, you don't leave Northeast Texas if you're from Northeast Texas. <laughs> so I could not have imagined ministry outside of my home county. Like, that was my life plan right there. And then I went to college at Central Bible College, and I met all these other people who were aware of missions, who were on top of it, called, passionate. And then I met this redhead. And... <laughs> She told me on our first date that she was going to West Africa with or without me. And I began to feel a little bit of pressure. But what it did is it was it challenged me uh, to ask the question I had never even considered, God, could I be called to missions? And I think it's a question we leave unasked too often to all those youth we'd like to challenge to do things for God. Just, hey, are you called to missions? Ask God that and let him speak. And he did. And, and then we had Elf there together, began to pursue that call together. Well, that is fantastic. I remember growing up, there was a song by uh, Scott Wesley Brown called Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Yes. <laughs> if, if you're familiar with it, I, I imagine it's a missions standard still to this day. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, where I think in, in response to that, I think a lot of kids don't want to pray that because they're yeah. afraid. Yeah. God will call me to a place that I absolutely don't want to go. But yes. I, sure. I will have a... I will have a Nineveh experience that, uh, that God's <laughs> going to make me go to some place. I don't want to go. I'm going to be unhappy. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, listen, God may, and listen, God may not call you to a foreign mission field. He may call you to the States. Absolutely. He may call you to your school. He may yes. call you. The mission field is a very broad, broad thing. The yes. mission field is the whole world, right? Right. Absolutely. So, but I, I think, you know, kids don't, I don't think adults want to pray it, by the way, anyway. Adults <laughs> don't want to pray it as much as kids don't want to pray it because they don't want to hear what God has to say about where they should go and what they should do. Yeah, uh, so, 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 you know, we'll give, we'll give, you know, it's a universal thing and not just teenagers, but I understand. It's it's a little more um, vivid in the mind of a, a teenager, I think, that they go, yes. oh, oh, I'm going to go someplace I don't want to go and be, be do things I don't want to do. Um <laughs> But in both of our cases, the, the secret was just keeping it in front of us. When I encountered other people with that passion, when she went on trips and and raised money for it and heard about it in church, it uh, God uses every occasion he can to move us. A hundred percent. He will make a way. So we find ourselves now, it's February. And if, and, you know, youth pastors, there's some that are listening and watching that do missions trips. But there's some that don't. Uh, there are some who have not pushed missions or have not talked about missions, uh, both in the in the location sense, but even in the mindset type of sense. So what can youth pastors do to develop a mission mindset in their students, be it the missions down the street or in their school or, or around the world? Um, we have this verse, this passage in the Bible, Matthew 28. 18 through 20, and we call it the Great Commission, and it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, what we share with people is that this is not a missions verse. 
this is the mission of the church. Every believer is called to go and make disciples of all nations. The missionary call is not found in that verse. That missionary call is found in perhaps Romans chapter 10, uh, where in verse 13, it says we have this wonderful message that everyone who calls on the Lord to be saved. But then it goes on to say, how are they going to say be saved if they don't know to call them, if they don't believe in them, if they don't hear about them, if no one preaches, and if no one is sent? The missionary calls to be sent, to represent those churches, to be them somewhere else, because they can only be in one place at a time. And altogether, we fulfill the Great Commission. That's our speech. That's what we tell people. So I like to give kids an actual theological foundation when I'm mm -hmm. speaking to them. Like, this is what God really does expect of everybody. And that means where you're at in your school and where you're not. So you have to go and you have to send. And that's the only way we get it done. Because God cares about everybody. He cares about you. He cares about your neighbor. He cares about the person you hate. He cares about that person you love. That person you don't care about at all. God loves him just the same. So a good biblical foundation can never go wrong. After that, what do you, what do you think? I think just, again, having it in front of them, um, uh, talk about missions, talk about a lot of times people in general, not even just kids, students, I mean, adults even, they are intimidated by the idea of sharing their faith with others. Um, and so I think giving them specific ideas about how to do that. So for example, um, no one in any language or country or situation has ever turned down prayer when, when I've offered it, especially it's all about relationship. If you have relationships with people that are not saved, which I hope every believer does, um, if you have relationships with people that are not saved, you are already in their lives. They know things about you. You know things about them. So that when something difficult shows up in their life, you're right there because you're already in relationship with them and you can offer prayer. And that is a really good introduction to your faith, to your friend. Um, and so just in youth pastors, really just talking about specific ways to share their faith so that it seems easier. And um, when it's, it should be natural. And um, if youth pastors can just come up with even, I don't know, even sitting them down and letting them practice with other kids in the youth group. I don't know, just ways that um, they can become more comfortable sharing their faith. I think that's important. And also just making sure they, with that theological thing, making sure that they understand theological thing, <laughs> making sure that they understand um, that, that they have an important role, that God has given them a purpose of being a part of this great salvation plan for the world. He did not have to include us. He could have done it all himself, but he lets us be a part. And not only what a huge responsibility but also what an amazing opportunity that we don't want to drop that. And as believers, it is a requirement to share the gospel with those around us and those all over the world. So I think just really driving home and keeping it in front of them that they get to be a part of something huge. 
And, and the Lord our, the Lord entrusts them with that. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. And so um, that, that's exciting that we get to be a part of something bigger than us. And I think, um, I think that's huge for teenagers too. But we can, we can tackle this from a, a systems, a culture perspective. Like what can we put in place to make this normal? Uh, if you have youth leaders, encourage them to lead small groups at their school every morning. If you have SCA, Youth Alive, have them go through uh, the world book. Uh, Operation, Operation World. World. Sorry. The Operation World to pray over the nation every day as part of the regular devotion. You can have uh, Sunday morning when pastors are doing announcements or things like that. Have a youth present a nation or a missionary you support. Have the youth be in charge of that. Let them put up maps. Let them contact a missionary and find prayer requests and interesting facts about the nation. Uh, you can make it a normative part of your life, of your culture, of your church. Oh, um, and when a missionary comes to visit, I wanted yeah. to say that. When a missionary comes to visit, um, we have had people... So growing up, I had a lot of exposure to missionaries, um, and that was so crucial. Um, but have people that kids in your youth group that you feel have a calling on their life, or maybe they're just super dedicated to the Lord. They just want attention. Give them attention. Yes. Just anybody really <laughs> ask them, Hey, can we go out to eat together and talk about missions? Let them hear stories. Let them read books and biographies of missionaries and things like that. Um, just let them have as much exposure as possible. If they're coming on, if missionaries coming on a Sunday, Ask them if they can happen to come on a Saturday and do something. I don't know. Just exposure. Maximize the value of the things you already have in place. You have missionaries coming on Sunday morning. Have them all Sunday afternoon. Access to kids, to adults, to children. If they're coming on Wednesday night. Come early. Stay late. If they're going on missions trips like we talked about, don't let it be a two-week event. Let it be a three-month event. Let the missionary chime in uh, every other week. Let them have Zooms. Let them call uh, don't let it just be a physical activity either. Let it be a spiritual activity. Teach them how to pray ahead of time, how to invest, how to expect that God will speak to them before and during and after their trip. So th there's a, a a lot you can do, but to maximize what you're already doing. Yeah, I think all of that, by the way, is just worth the whole conversation because <laughs> starting with theological as your foundation and then some 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 basic practical tips and then how to make it universal, how to make it the normative. Now, we, in our denomination, it's normative. It's about as normative as it can be. It is sprinkled all throughout the Assemblies of God. It's it's in youth camp. It's at every retreat. It's We have Speed of Light, which is a giving arm. We have all these different facets, but there's a lot of, uh, even some of the God churches that don't take advantage of those things, but there's also churches, uh, youth pastors that are watching and listening who don't have those arms don't have those extensions but that doesn't mean they can't create them and so that would be that would be my encouragement as well just say look just because you don't have the the uh the infrastructure or the other you know the outer structure even of that dynamic well create them yourself you know yes. make, make make up what you want make up the culture that you want to have amongst your students um that brings me to this is that this summer is coming it's just a few months away and youth pastors are now planning their missions trips right now. They're trying to get deposits in. They're trying to do all the things. 
What advice would you give them as part of their planning now that they're in the February uh, stage of their of their missions planning? Well, I just want to repeat. I mean, make it more than just the two week trip. Make it more than just the spring break trip. I mean, contact the missionary ahead of time. Like, how how can we pray? Can we get on Zoom for just thirty minutes? Can we, you know, what what do we need to know about your country? What are the struggles? What are we going to expect? You know, that kind of stuff. Just do that. But also uh, rethink how you do your trip. And all right, this is my personal opinion. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not recommending. <laughs> I, this is just my feelings on it. Okay. Sure. Um, no judgment here. You bring don't it. Get, take all your cameras and cell phones away. Hire a guy. Pay for somebody's trip. Let him come. His sole job is to take pictures. Your job is to be all in with what God is speaking and with the people that you're encountering and the missionaries that you're there with. Let, let that guy be the one in charge of memorializing all that stuff. He may miss some, but he's going to get a lot of it if that's his sole thing. On top of that, be organized for safety's sake. Groups of two, groups of three. They know who their partners are. They're with them all the time. And sometimes I'm never sure what I should say. My wife will let me know later whether or not I did it right. Uh, have a structure. Don't, don't make the missionary have to talk with everybody to figure things out. Yeah. Have one team leader and one, okay, this, I'm, I don't know if you all remember Star Trek. They're the medical personnel on the ship. They were in charge when it came to medical stuff. So have one nanny, nurse nanny on your team. Their entire job was to say, hey, you're getting overheated, sit down, and you have to listen to them. Hey, you need to drink, because the missionary will say it, and it's in one ear and out the other. Hey, you actually need sunscreen, or you're going to turn out looking like a lobster. I mean, it, <laughs> there's it happens. So yeah, those yeah. are my organizational things, but also make it spiritual. Don't let it just be a trip. Plan prayer in. Plan evening processing times. What did you see? What did you feel? What is God saying? What, what are you struggling with? What can we pray about? Make it a part of everything you do in that trip. Because as much as you'll make a physical investment where you're going, God is also actively engaged spiritually before, during, and after your trip. He wants people to be saved. And so that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But the prayer thing is huge. Um, just know that as Christians, we are in opposition of um, Satan or an, an evil. But there's something about when you go on a missions trip or engage in missions, people, Satan doesn't want you to do that mm -hmm. because he knows that's powerful. And so there's going to be some sort of, um, of spiritual, either a wall or, um, a fight. And so just be prepared for that. Um, be prayed up. <laughs> and, um, uh, another thing is in youth pastors, you can help frame this, frame this for your, uh, for your students, um, whatever your students do while they're on the trip or don't do while they're on the trip, they can take it and leave it. I mean, they can leave and there are no consequences, but what they do or don't do, the missionary gets to either live with and it has advanced their the ministry and it has advanced the kingdom of God, or it's put them back a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very <laughs> difficult to gain ground mm -hmm. after something like that. So yeah. just remember to really ask questions for the missionary, um, let the missionary help guide you. And then youth pastors help frame that for your students 
so that they know that their actions or non-actions really do have consequences. And, and two last pieces of advice. Whatever you, I mean, it's great if you want to bring candy or t-shirts or toys for kids. We get that. But do it through the church. You want them making connections, empowering the local church that will stay there and last. And it's not about you giving it directly. God knows what you did. You know what you did. And But just empower the church that's there that you have. And the very last piece of advice I have is unless the missionary is eating lettuce, don't eat lettuce. <laughs> it will not turn out well for you. Or drink the water. <laughs> or drink the water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we've, we've had a we've had a few of those. We've had a few of those. But, uh, we said we we probably shouldn't have done that, and it'll yeah, something's gonna happen later. But I can't tell you about that. Um, the uh, the uh, let me tell you what that is such good advice. I mean, all of those things. I love the idea about hiring a videographer, right? Hiring somebody to come along with you. Take away, you know, take away the phones during the day. Parents, of course, want their kids to have phones just in case. You get them back at night yes. when you're in your rooms or wherever you're at. But during the day when you're in process and you're doing ministry and you're doing all that, it's okay to put them away. Let somebody be in charge, somebody from your church. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, just hire somebody who's really good at photography and bring them along and say, hey, we'll we'll pay for your trip if you just come along and shoot pictures for us. Yes. And uh, and I also think, too, about... Um, you know, wanting to bring candy, one of those bring, bring those things. You know, the point you make about bring an offering and give it to the church and let the church go ahead and decide what their area needs. Yes. To, right, what candy <laughs> is available? What you don't have to pack your suitcases. Right. With you know whatever it is that you're bringing. Uh, you know, it may not be good. It, it may not <laughs> it may not be welcome <laughs> where you're going. So go ahead and fund. Go ahead and fund the missions, you know, the missionaries that are there, the local church, uh, and uh, and let them go ahead and process those things out, right? And uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take all these tips, by the way, and I'm going to make a nice little list of them for you. So those that are watching, those that are listening, don't worry if you're, if you're not taking notes. I'm going to put that together. And I'm going to put a link down below where you can get some of this uh, advice and you can go ahead and download it. So they'll be down in the uh, in the show notes there. So as we begin to start to wrap things up, yes, sir, Dean, what do you want to say? Just one last thing. If you want to come yes. up with this, uh, we were talking about not packing your suitcases. It reminded me, it's always nice to bring one empty suitcase for anything the missionary might need. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Example, like favorite snacks. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite snacks, by the way? What what can't you get? Sweet tarts. Our family <laughs> likes sweet tarts and our family likes Kool-Aid. Those are things we can't get. Uh, Pickles. Good, good beef jerky. Oh, there you go. There Lily you go. May is my 12-year-old daughter and she's wording with me at talking right now and she wants me to say Twizzlers. <laughs> Which is her favorite. I, under, yes. I absolutely know. American cereals are hard to get. So, yeah, American cereals. So bring them and then don't eat them while you're there. Yes, don't eat them. Give, give them to the missionaries and let the missionaries hide them away from you, where you cannot, where you cannot get to them. Um, so now let's talk about let's talk about some of the projects. What is God doing in Senegal that you find that this is where you know you're you're not on you know you're not on the field right now. You're you're back here in the states, but when you go back, what are some of the things that God is leading you and directing you to do? What are some projects that, that maybe the Lord's laid on your heart that you say, hey, we're going back and we feel like this is where what we're going to do? Well, our nation is experiencing unprecedented unrest for Senegal. It just doesn't has happened happened historically. 
But what we've seen through that is rather than an obstacle, it's an opportunity. People are dissatisfied with a religious and political system that can't answer the cries of their heart. So we really feel like revival is coming and we want to be ready for that. And that means pushing rural or emerging community evangelism. And I want to use, and we do that by building tabernacles and supporting pastors that are willing to go out into the bush. Uh, and that's everything from dividing a tabernacle into third so they can have a house, buying the land so they can live on it, or a one-off project like even just a meat grinder so they can feed their family, earn some income, uh, and and partnering them with bigger churches uh, in the local context so that they can support, send over quality trainers, the infrastructure that they have can support the new work, and the new work can send back testimonies. And that way we're kind of cross-pollinating so everybody's getting excited about missions and getting their needs met with the expectation that they'll do it for somebody in the future. So we've got tabernacles, we've got wells, we've got buying land in emerging communities, uh, because we found that once we come in after it's built up, they're very resistant to our intrusion as they see it. But when we can say, hey, we've always been here, we're not intruders, we're neighbors. We've loved you from day one. It changes the dynamic. So those are a big three. But also, we want to empower our pastors and our lay leaders that we do have. So if they're pastoring three and four churches, they and they do, they need good teams around them. And out of those teams, there are already people I believe are called, but don't feel qualified. So if we can train them and equip them, our pastors can plant new works, effectively steward what they have, and we can transplant teams to new works for instant health and productivity. So discipleship, lay leader training, pastoral training, using the resources like wells and tabernacles to empower rural and emerging community evangelism, as well as helping out with what the national church wants. They have initiatives, they have dreams, God speaking through them, and we get to come alongside that. Yeah, that is, that's fantastic because, uh, you know, when people think, uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of people think missionaries are, are, they're in the bush. They're, they're, you know, they're living on scraps and they're, what they don't understand is that missions has come a long way. And that there are projects and there are there's an advancing movement of yeah. missions. There's it's not just a static, we're in our little town and we do our little thing and all those kind of things, but it's really an advancing movement of missions that missionaries that are on the field today in all denominations are are, are have strategies and plans and and things of that nature. How can people pray for you guys. I think health is always one of the first ones we pray for. We want spiritual health. We want physical health. We want relational health. We want um, community in a great healthy communities and our team as well. I mean, we work on what we just described, but we also have team members that we supervise that are specifically dedicated to children's ministry and compassionate care. And we're involved in all of that. So health, number one. Uh, number two, for, for the Holy Spirit's moving and discernment for that. Uh, we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be sure that we're doing that well, that we're seeing and hearing clearly. And that doesn't come in isolation. That's the community of God that speaks into that. What do you think? And just pray for our the people we work in a country that is resistant to the gospel. It's 95% Muslim. And something that may be interesting to youth pastors is it's illegal to proselytize children, and that's anyone that's 21 and younger. And, um, and so there, it comes with a lot of difficulties, but, uh, just pray that there will be spiritual breakthrough. Um, and we believe we're on the verge of that. We really do. So just pray for that. And, um, another personal one is you can pray for missionary children. Um, 
So it's, it's a wonderful life. They get once in a lifetime opportunities all the time. And, um, and, but they don't see it as unique. They just see it as normal. And, but there are unique challenges in their lives. Like for example, our children don't have a children's church or a youth group in their language. So just pray that the Lord will just minister to their hearts and in their lives. And, um, and, and also when we're saying a lot here, I'm sorry, there's a lot in their needs for prayer. Um, but, uh, when children transition from being in their home overseas to going back to the United States as college students, especially those who have lived their whole lives overseas, they are going to a foreign place when they go to college. They don't know the U S they don't have driver's licenses. They have never used a debit card before. Um, so just pray for missionary families and, and, and the children, uh, cause there are challenges, but there are also a lot of joys. Like our children have such a huge worldview and speak multiple languages. And, um, so there are pros and cons for missionary families, but just pray for them. And one of the chief, one of the biggies is pray the, to the Lord, the harvest will send you laborers. Yes. We, we need more people on the field. Yes. We need more people on the field in every context, in every missionary context. Yes. We need more people. Yeah. And if you're watching, those that are watching and those that are listening, be a good opportunity to pray and say, Lord, what, what would you have me do? Uh, you know, what's my mission? Right. How can I help these? Yeah. First of all, you can pray for them. If you're look, it's something as simple as I'm going to pray for these missions. I'm going to pray for Emily and for Dean and for their family, uh, because it's such a critical part of 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 spiritual life and it's about you know uh, the mission going forward and and so i would ask all of you uh, if you can't do anything else please pray for missionaries pray for your own missionaries that are from your church pray for these fine folks because they're out doing the work as well and the they have brought up a great subject about children which brings us to a great portion of our of our time together where i'm going to call upon lily may Lily May. Lily May, come over Lily here. <laughs> Where are you, Lily May? Lily May. I'm going to move out of the way. Come here. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Lily May. Lily May. Hello. Uh, and, and I'm privileged to have you, Lily May, because you've been our in our youth group a few times. Uh, we just consider you part of our youth group now, so you're just there. You're part of us. She loves and, basketball. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to ask you, I think this is an important thing. What is it like being a missionary kid? What's it like? living where you live uh give give some perspective to some of the folks that are watching and listening no pressure <laughs> well there are a lot of things what it's like or what things you experience but one thing is that it is is really great and it's really fun it opens the world a bit but also it can get pretty hard a lot of times you're away from your family like cross across whole oceans and that's really hard because you may not have a great relationship as with them as you would if you lived in the same continent with them. I started being a missionary kid at two or three two. two. And so I didn't I didn't really have friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have friends to start out with. So that kind of made it easier for me, but it's, it's really hard, but yeah. yeah, just don't have any friends. And that way, when you go away, you won't miss them. That's the lesson I'm taking from this. You can be a missionary. 
What well, let me ask you this. Besides Twizzlers, besides those, what, what are some things you miss when you're not here in the States? What are some things that uh that you say, oh, I wish I had this? Well, family is the obvious big number one. Yeah. But other than that, it's really mostly food. <laughs> oh, That's yes. Fair. And accessible large libraries. Oh, wow. And bookstore. She's a reader. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, remember. Hey, that's a good thing too. Remember your remember your missionaries' kids. Bring uh, you know, if you're heading over to uh, somewhere, bring them books or bring them, yes. you know, those type of things as well. Well, hey, I'm not going to keep you on the spot too much, Lily May, but I'm going to let you go ahead and stay here while I ask your parents this. If somebody wanted to reach out to you guys and either ask more questions or if they wanted to send you a gift of support or any of those things, how can somebody get in touch with you? Well, we tried to make it as easy as possible. We started a website and it uh, is s1.ag.org forward slash Hartzels in Africa. Now that connects to the Assemblies of God giving website. All official, nothing shady. It connects to uh, our social media, so you can follow us regularly. It, it, it connects also to our email. So it, it really just kind of splits off into everything from there. That one site will get you everything you need to stay in touch, to give all of it. Well, fantastic. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes. So those that are watching, those that are listening, if you feel so led, if you feel like, hey, I just, maybe just drop a note. You can just drop a little note and say, hey, thank you for the work you're doing. Hey, we're praying for you. And I want to encourage you, uh, those that are listening, those that are watching, do that for me. Would you do me a favor and just send them a note and say, hey, praying for you. Appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for being obe obedient to the call in your life. We know it's hard. We know it's not easy. And we're with you. And so if you will do that, all you folks out there, please do that, because I think it'll be uh, very meaningful uh, for the Heart Souls. It'll be meaningful for you as well. So, but guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your stories. And Lily May, thank you for coming on and just sharing a little bit about what it's like to be a missionary kid. Thank you for this opportunity. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now, aren't they a great family? I mean, come on. You just got to love them. They're just fantastic. And I'm really serious about reaching out to them and just saying thank you. This is not a pitch for you to support them financially or anything like that unless the Lord puts it on your heart. I mean, just really reach out and just say, hey, thank you. Thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for going into the places that God didn't call me to, but he called you to. And thank you for going and sharing the gospel. And also be sure to thank them for the wisdom that they shared today about mastering your missions trip. I know it'll be a blessing to them to hear from you, so I will thank you in advance for doing so. Thank you. But that is it for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, well, wherever you're listening to this, please go ahead and leave some stars or comments or reviews. That would be awesome because then other youth pastors like yourself can hear this content. And don't forget, if nobody's told you lately that you're doing a good job, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. And I'll see you in the next episode.